0: Hey everybody, it's Lee Jackson, America's finest watchman, welcome to the show. Hey, so let's do it, we're going to talk about collecting watches today, we're going to talk about where to get them, how to get them, what to do with them, you name it. And I can tell you right now that I've been doing this a very long time. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Thank you for this episode 100B of America's Finest Watchman Watch Show. So if you're a collector, this is the show you want. We're going to talk all the good stuff today. So the first thing I want to say is if you collect, if you're passionate like I am, and I am a passionate watch guy, I've watches all of my life, so I'm not these guys like you see on the internet, you go to these stores, I don't know what they're talking about, all they know is it's a widget. Or they know it's got this, it's got that, and and you know what? They don't talk about the sizzle, they don't talk about the the love that we have for collecting and how much it is. To them it's just a widget. And I've dealt with a lot of these people online so I know exactly what I'm talking about. I bought from people online and some of these buying services, selling services, whatever you want to call them, they're not great, they're not fun. They're not enjoyable dealing with people. You don't know what the hell you're getting. I mean, I bought a lot of stuff in my day and I'll tell you, you excuse me, you never really know what you're getting until you see how it runs and what condition it's in. They all just want to sell it and they put in as little as possible. That's the whole name of the game. So you, the buyer, have to beware. And I read a lot of the complaints about people online, these sellers, and they're terrible. They sell stuff that people don't like. They sell stuff that is not in the condition as advertised. That's a biggie, or it doesn't run very well, or it doesn't run for long and it stops. And you got to realize when you're buying a watch online, you have to be prepared to money into it. You have to go in with that understanding that you might have to overhaul it, you might have to do work to it. I don't care what they say. So you always have to figure that in, unless you get from you buy from someone that is reputable. And I'm going to tell you my history. Uh, on our first episode of the new year so um, i have been doing this a very long time i started watches on tv over 27 years ago i first i sold vintage i did a lot of vintage watches a lot of uh, hamilton's american watches i started doing swiss i went into higher end and started doing luxury watches which was a lot of fun rolexes cartiers you name it But the one thing I always prided myself on was I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was selling. I knew what to do with it so that you would not get a dog. You would get something you could be proud of. And I figured you would come back for more if that's the way I did it. Now, I've seen a lot of these people on TV. They sell absolute garbage and they don't care. So you've got to beware and you've got to beware of what you're buying, who you're buying from. And I don't care what these people say, I'm not going to name names, but I can tell you there's companies out there, some of the ones online, absolutely horrible, horrible to buy from. And you've got to be very wary. There's a big one that comes out of uh, Europe and they're very big. And I've tried to buy from them twice and I've had nothing but problems with them. And then I go online and I read people saying they bought fakes on there and they said they were real and bad uh bad sellers and they don't do anything about it. A whole bunch of stuff. So you gotta be really, really careful. So let me tell you my best. Um, I started collecting about, well I started loving watches more than 50 years ago. My first watch was given to me by my dad, which was a Vacheron Constantine. It was a very nice gold Vacheron, very plain looking. If you look in the Vacherons, the big round ones from the fifties, the larger ones, they have the gold applied numbers on the dial and they all looked very similar, and that I had. And I didn't really know what it was or what to do with it. I wore it to school when I was in junior high. And I kind of put it aside. I knew it was a good watch. you know how good it was. But that started me, because I had a good watch. And then my grandfather had nice watches. He had a Universal Geneve. He had some other um, regular dress watches that I didn't know anything about. You know, regular everyday type dress watches like... Um, I don't know what he had, Weiler, Inca Blocks, and he had Doxes. He had some offbeat brands, but in the, at the time, he wore them to work. So, you know, he was pretty rough, so he didn't buy real expensive to wear. He did a real nice Universal Geneve, with a gold bracelet that he kept that uh, I think my cousin ended up getting. It was one of the thinnest watches I had ever seen in the 60s. I think Universal had one of the thinnest mechanical watches at the time anybody had. So it was a really cool watch. Uh, so then from there, I started buying things like Seikos. I didn't know any better, so I was buying Seikos. They were nice. They started going up, and I started buying a Tag Heuer. And then what else did I buy? Let's see. I bought Tag Hoyers, I bought a Breitling. I bought, um, I think, what else did I get in those days? Uh, Review Toms, I bought a bunch of the mid mid brand stuff that I was buying new and I was getting them at a discount I really liked them all so I was getting some very cool watches And then I started seriously collecting and when I started seriously collecting um, Stores I started going into stores I started seeing that you could buy a pre-owned watch For a hell of a lot less than a new watch and some of them were so nice you could difference anyhow So I like that idea And I started picking up all kinds of stuff, and I picked up a Rolex, couple of Rolexes that were reasonable, and I liked the monsters. And I started collecting everything. I had probably two, three hundred watches. I had very fine Zenepatics and IWCs, and you name it. Not the real expensive stuff. My level for buying and selling was always not super expensive. My my limits were I don't know two thousand, a thousand, two thousand bucks. That's it. And yet I see people online, they're paying $10,000, $20,000, Those are not the people I want to speak to. Those are people that are not collectors. Those are people that just like really nice, expensive watches to show off, I guess. I don't think they're collectors in their own right, but they're not the kind of collector like I am. I'd rather find a watch that's not perfect and get it as close to perfect as I could get it at a reasonable rate, figure what I have to put into it. Like I watch all these car shows and a lot of these people on the car shows, that's exactly what they do. They buy cars that are not in the greatest of shape and they fix them up and they know exactly what it takes to, They need an interior or whatever. Same thing with a watch. Every part of a watch can be repaired or restored except when the watch is really badly hurt. Like it's got gashes in the case or uh, the dial is really messed up. Those kind of things you can't come back from. So you gotta be careful. So when I buy, I'm always looking at, can I bring this back? If I can't, what the hell do I want it for? You know, let somebody else have the headache. So I always look for stuff I thought was really good bargain and really good names. Like if I could find a paddock reasonably priced or a run reasonably priced, I would get it and fix it up. And I have some that are absolutely gorgeous and they started life with me as dogs. They were really, rough and now they look like brand new and that's the whole fun of it i always said that a watch is something you would give down to your children go through your family rather than uh when you are inexpensive a mass market watch for 100 200 bucks it's not gonna last a year two years five years maybe you buy a good watch and they can last as long as you know forever the parts are available for a lot of watches um even going back Like I have um, Vacherons going all the way back to the 30s. I can still get parts for them. So it's not something that that you can't do. It's something you can do. It's all what you like. What's the kind of watch you like? There's watch in the early dawn of wristwatches that were from the teens and 20s, and they're very delicate. There's 30s, which started to go into into tank cases. Uh, 40s, you started to see more water resistance in the 40s and into the 50s. And you got the weird cases, the asymmetrical and strange cases in the 50s, early 60s. And then from there on, everything just got better and better. So these are the kind of things that I think about. Um, I ended up with about two or three hutches. And I got a call from a friend of mine because I was a big collector. And I got a call from someone that said, you know, there's a store looking for someone to put things in on consignment. So I started doing that, and then I opened up other stores on consignment here in Los Angeles. I had about five stores at one time and did fairly well. Um, Then I had another friend call me up and said that her dad was a big pocket watch collector, and he lined pocket watches to TV, and they needed somebody to do wristwatches. And I said, yeah, no problem. I can do it. And I went out to uh, this network, which is now gone, and sat with the guy who owns it. Turned out to be a nice guy. I didn't expect the guy that came out to be the guy that came out because it was a couple Panda America. And I was expecting some Asian guy to come out. And it wasn't. It was a little guy from New York. A druggist. He's an ex-druggist, the guy. He was a really nice guy. And he was a pocket watch collector. And he had this these shows that were selling pocket watches and coins. And he wanted to add wristwatches to the mix. And I said, yeah, no problem. I, no problem. And they had a studio that was in an office building. In Torrance, which he'd never know was there, you walk in this office, and all of a sudden, studio. They converted, I guess, over to a studio, and it was very cool, very different. They had, it was like two offices. One side was a studio and control room. One side was a phone bank, so it was very compact. It was not really designed for what they were using it for, but it worked. And they were on big dish, which are giant satellite dishes of yesteryear that you used to see in people's yards. Those gigantic eight-foot dishes. And in those days, um, big satellite dish was a thing. I actually put one in also and I could get programming that I would get on cable for a lot less money and it was a lot better quality. So I loved big dish satellite. and people that had big dish satellite had one thing. They had money because it was not cheap in those days to get one of those big dishes going. It was expensive. I put one in, no. So these people would be up late at night. They had money to burn and they liked the product i mean it, when i was at panda we had shows let's see we had jewel, a lot of jewelry shows we had i was the watch show they had a pocket watch show which was not me it was a separate show that's how they started they had coin shows um they had loose gemstones i don't know they had a whole bunch of different shows they had memorabilia they had all kinds of weird shows and they were cool and it wasn't expensive in those days to broadcast because all they had was the big dish they didn't have to get all these markets like you do today. Today on shopping, you buy the markets you want to show your show in, and it costs money. We pay. So it's very expensive to do those shows. You have huge overhead. So that's why these shows are a little, sometimes are a little more expensive than other because they have a huge overhead. I know. I did it for a long time, many, many years. I was doing uh, 26 hours a week live on TV and killing it in those days. Just killing it. People loved it. I was even getting Nielsen ratings. That's why I became America's finest man. People knew who I was. It was a big, big deal in those days. And I was uh, ill-prepared for the whole thing, but I took it in stride and did what I did and got bigger and bigger. I was doing more and more shows. And eventually I went off on my own with a couple other people and started my own network, which was called Hollywood Truths. And I was one of the cornerstones. It was me and jewelry. And we did... For what we had and what we were working, we did pretty good and got bigger and bigger and bigger, just kept growing. And one of the problems uh, with doing the shows is you have to deal with people that are working there. And we had a lot of problems with the employees and what was going on around there, which is what sunk us. Uh, Bad partners, bad shows, bad everything, you name it. So over time, uh, we ended up going out of business because of that. It wasn't anything to do with me. I wasn't doing anything other than doing a great job you guys and trying to do a legitimate job and bring you things you'd really like and have fun. And you know, I was crazy exciting and wild and I was all crazy crazy and I had a blast doing it and hopefully you did too. So I ended up starting my own network, um, ended up leaving there and then being a hired gun. I went to many different networks and did shows with watches and every place I went was pretty successful. But the thing that I realized over time is that is such a tough business. There is so much that can go wrong. And they can lose a lot of money very quickly with those networks if they're not careful and know what they're doing. Uh, if the stars don't align, they can lose a ton. You can lose very, very fast in those networks. So I'm not talking about you as a buyer, I'm talking about them the putting on the shows. It can get very, very expensive. And it does. So that's why you see these shows struggling. They have to sell a certain amount. With an amount of time are they losing money because their costs are very expensive. Remember, like I said, when you want to be in a certain market, you pay for that. Okay, go back to what I was saying about where I went from there. So I went to different networks. And from that point on, I became a hired gun and have been doing it off and on for the last seven or 28 years. And I started it all. I was the first one to go up there and sell Rolexes and expensive watches on TV and I went in many, many major markets and did very, very well. And I did everything virtually myself. I bought all the watches, got them all, checked over every single watch that went out the door, checked them how they were running, checked them how they looked, if they needed cleaning and buffing, I could do it myself. And I did a lot of that. So I would do like a huge show over the week, and then I would on the on the Monday morning I'd go in and I would check everything over. I would put it on my machine uh, and see how they were running, make sure they were running good before they went out the door. If they didn't, they had to go for service. Uh, all depends. Because I would give a a, a a warranty that was there was no hesitation. There was nothing in my warranty. It was um, anything happens. I would fix it other than abuse. So killed the watch. No, I'm not going to fix it. You jumped in the ocean with it when I told you not to. No, I'm not going to fix it. But if it didn't run right, Or something happened, yes, I would fix percent. It was an unconditional warranty I offered. Other than abuse, I would take care of it. And that is great because these days to get fixed is very, very expensive. It used to be very inexpensive in my day. It wasn't that bad. But today, you got to figure a minimum of getting watch overhauled or repaired is going to cost you at least 200 bucks. And so now do the math. You go out and you buy yourself, say, a Hamilton for the 200 bucks, and now you got to spend another 200 on it. It becomes ridiculously expensive. And that's what's really hurt the business over time, in my opinion, is you don't have a lot of mechanics on watches like the old days that are reasonable. You have uh, stores and storefronts and repair storefronts that are on watches, but they charge up the Kazooie, they charge a lot of money. And what the watch companies have done over the years is they have restricted their parts so that you can't even get the parts, even if you could work on watches, unless you're a certified dealer for that brand, you can't even get the parts. More. So it makes it harder and harder over time um, to get parts to fix watches, to get the right parts. Because if there are uh, knockoff parts, I never wanted to use them. I always tried the best I possibly could get my hands on because I really wanted the customer to really enjoy their purchase. And to me, that was very important because I'm just like, and I used to say it all the time. I'm no different. What the hell, why am I different? You know, I'm out there buying too and, and fixing up and enjoying and keeping and all that. So I know a love for this stuff. It's very difficult out there because who do you believe? Where do you go? Where do you buy? It's difficult. You can go online and never really know what you're getting. I've seen great deals online. I've seen terrible deals online. One of the things you got to look at is what people's reputation are, it are who you're getting it from, and what do they, do they stand behind it? Has it been repaired, overhauled, serviced, or is it not? A lot of these guys just buy it, turn it, boom. They don't even look at it. They don't care. All they know is they're going to make X amount on it and buy, bye, baby. So you've got to take that into your own hands and you have to do the right thing for yourself so that you're not pulling your hair out. Because I've had some really bad ones. I had a, I'm going to tell you a quick story here, I digress, but that's what I do best. Um, I got a watch, I bought a Vacheron, I bought it online, and the guy, he took it to Europe, he took it to a repair shop, and they told him they couldn't get the parts, or they couldn't repair it, so he just wanted to get rid of it. So I got it pretty reasonably, I thought, and I was taking a chance, you know, unless you can actually see it in your hands, you never really know what you got. You really don't. I don't care what anybody says. So I get this watch. It doesn't run. Uh, I had a new watch repair guy at the time. I took it over to him and he said, yeah, no problem. And every month or two, I would call him up and say, what's going on with my watch? Oh, I can't get it to work. I'm working on it. I'm this. It keeps me up at night. This went on for over a year. Went on for like a year and a quarter. And he could not get it fixed. And every time I talked, it was a new story. Well, I'm gonna try, and I get this, and that, and it was just all BS. So finally, I said to him, "Look, I, I got to have this back. I'm just gonna dump it. I'm gonna put it, just sell it for whatever I can get get it. because I already bought parts for it, which he was not cooperating with me on what parts he needed. Because normally, I have a very good relationship with a watch repair person, and I can communicate. You know, like if it's got needs parts and they can't find, it, I'll look too. No problem. I'll get the parts. I don't care." But this guy was very difficult. He didn't want to hear any. So I said, No, oh, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to come and get it and dump it." So finally, I went down there and picked this stupid thing up. This is a year and a half. I've never ever had a watch take that long to fix ever. So I took it and I called an old buddy of mine that used to work for me when I had the shopping network, and he said, "Send it to me." And I sent it to him. He looked at it. And he said, "Well, it needs parts." And I said, okay, what does it need? So he told me and I said, well, I'm going to look too. So I found parts and I called him up and said, can you look and see it's online? See if you can do it. I bought another movement that had the parts we needed. And he said, yeah, that's what it needs. Okay. Within a month, I had the watch back running perfect. Absolutely perfect. Within a month. So there you go. You can tell me all your stories about, you know, this and that. But if you can't get someone that's reputable, that can actually do the work. Don't get started. Buy something that you have a warranty or a on. Otherwise, you're going to be doing it. It's like buying um, washers and dryers. Today, you've got to buy a warranty. They're so they're so They break down. You have to buy a warranty. In the old days, I would have told you, have to buy a warranty, but now you need it. So that's one of my stories. Um, every other watch I gave him was running like no, oh, and I ended up giving them all back to my buddy who got them all running absolutely perfect. Perfect. And this other guy was telling me, oh, those are dogs. I can't get them to run. He just didn't know what the hell he was doing, honestly. this a guy who had been around a long time. The other thing that you got out for is uh, chronos of the stopwatch watches, you know, with the buttons that have little registers for stopwatch function. They're called chronographs. When they're mechanical, they need work. It is a big job because there are so many gears and levers and you name it, springs, everything in there more than a regular watch. So if you don't give it to someone that really knows what they're doing, you're going to have problems and it's expensive to get them overhauled. So watch out what you're doing, what you're buying. Now, one thing I can tell you that you should look for, whether you're buying vintage or newer product is, is it water resistant? Is it really a water resistant case? Because if it is, it'll last longer, run better than if it isn't. And when you start getting to the older stuff, none of it's water resistant except for Rolexes. And when they're used or pre-owned, I like to say pre-owned, but when they're, when they're pre-owned, they're little gaskets, they're little washers inside these watches that keep the water out. And they braid over time, just like on your car, you have things under the car and the suspension that are rubber that perish over time. Same thing, or washers in your sink, you know, you turn your sink off, there's a wash stopping the water and it wears out. So these things wear, so if you want to wear something in the water, which I really don't recommend because one time you get it wet side, it's cooked. You need new movement, Uh, you gotta have them checked. And you can send them to a dealer that can pressure test them, which means they take the movement out, they put them in a a little vat of water and they pump in pressure in there and they look to see if it's gonna leak. And if it's gonna leak, uh, they can put in new gaskets and so on and they check it. So you know you can go in the water. You don't want to go in warm water, hot water. Don't ever take one in the shower. Don't ever take one in the jacuzzi. It can melt the gas and boom. you got water in your movement. Happened to me once when I was wearing a Tag Heuer, a modern quartz watch. I took jacuzzis and the damn thing bluey and I took it in. you got water in it. I said, wait a minute. It's a water resistant watch. No, not, not all the time. Not when you get in warm. So I always tell people, look, if you've got an expensive watch, what do you want to go in the water with it for? What for? You don't need to. Take it off. If you get it wet, you wash your hands, that's fine. But I would not recommend going water with any watch unless it's brand new and or pressure tested, which you can do. Because When you put in the time and the effort, and it's your baby, you do not want it ruined. People don't know what to do. You gotta be really careful about that stuff. Second of all, do you want quartz, or do you want mechanical? Quartz don't hold their value like mechanics do. Mechanicals go all the way back to the 1600s, pocket watches that is. And they were adapted for the wrist uh, after World War One because men thought sissy-ish to wear a wristwatch, so they didn't make wristwatches for men until around 1918, 1920 after World War One. That's when they started to come. Which is weird. so when you watch a show that says wristwatches way back, they weren't there. They didn't have them. There was no such thing. People carried pocket watches, and pocket watches are easier to work on, easier, everything bigger, but they're not practical. So they came out with wristwatches. And the first watches on wrist were inverted pocket watches, which you can still see. If you go online, you can see there are many, many people on there that are taking pocket watch movements, smaller ones, putting them, having a case to put them in an adapted case like an IWC, a Vacheron, a Patek, you know, really good watches and turn them into a big wrist watch. And now people are wearing larger watches anyhow. So that's perfect. I mean, not for me. I don't like gigantic watches. I've tried. I have one 40 or 42 millimeter. Too big for me. I'm old school that big. But there's a lot of those running around and they're fine. But remember, the older the movement, the more delicate it is. So if you drop one of those, it's cooked. It needs, you're gonna break the balance, the balance wheel or the, ba- the balance staff, you'll break it. And that's where the little wheel runs that keeps your watch timing and moving. And once that breaks, you have to have it repaired and or replaced. So you gotta be careful banging things around. What I tell people is, if you're gonna do any kind of work with your hands, you're gonna hammer, you're gonna fix something, take your watch off. Put it in your pocket. Why do you wanna ruin it? Because you can easily scratch it up, get up, mess it up. You know, you're hitting with a hammer and your hand has taken the shock and it's going right into this little mechanical timepiece on your wrist. You can ruin it. So it's not a good idea to do that. So I always try to take them off when I'm gonna do any kind of work, I think. You know, if I was wearing a cheap watch, big deal, but when you start getting into better watches, it is a big deal. And when you're spending the kind of money that I'm sure collectors are spending cumulatively, cumulatively, maybe not, you got one dollar watch, now you got 10 of them, 20 of them. Now it becomes expensive. You wanna protect your investment. And if you can take care of a watch, it will serve you for many, many years. So this is pretty much what the show's about. Um, I will divulge a lot of my secrets. I'll give you people a chance to um, contact me with your questions or answers. Just please keep it clean because I'm trying to keep these podcasts as clean as I can. I mean, I'm outrageous and crazy, but I'm careful not to use any nasty words. So I can say all kinds of stuff without that. Believe me, I did it for many, many years. That's pretty outrageous. and People really got out of it. So we can do some of that. But remember, I'm on my own. I need some feedback here. Um, As to what you'd really like to want to know, what would you like me to wear? What do you want me to cover that I'm not covering? Because I expect to be doing these podcasts for a long time. So we're going to go over brands. We're going to go over what to watch out for, uh, the types of watches there are. I mean, there's so much out there. You can have a ball and you've got to narrow it down. When you first start, you can start buying everything in sight. You start to evolve. And you only want certain watches. Like I have watches that I wear for running around at night. Um, if I'm out, you know, screwing around working on a car or doing something, I mean, yeah, I'll take it off. Don't worry, I'll still take it off. But those are the kind of things I wear. The better ones I'm not going to wear if I'm doing any kind of physical labor or doing anything that might harm it. So I'm very careful. Like today, I have a nice watch on my wrist. I'm careful what I'm doing. I, I'm very cognizant it's there like once you mess it up it's one time you're done there is no going back if you put a gigantic gash into a watch it will not come out they're what they say it will not come out so these are the kind of things you got to watch out for um, anything else we can do that would float your bond we're definitely going to do it so i want you to keep listening tell your friends um, there's lots we can cover. There's lots we can do. It's just a question of getting these podcasts out as quick as I can. And I'm going to do a bunch of them for you. So next time, uh, watch out. I'm coming back. America's favorite watchman Lee Jackson is here and he, I promise I'll be back for you. So keep listening. And if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. Okay. It's pleasure. A great day. See you later, everybody. Been a pleasure. Let me get my music on for you to say goodbye so we can have a little bit of music. Okay, there we go. How about some music? Yeah, we can wind down.